advertising. There it is. You're hiding. You know this is going to happen. Uh, I don't want to embarrass him, but at the same time, I want to show an incredible amount of gratitude to this young man who is, uh, he's shaking his head. If you guys enjoyed the videos the last year or so I've done it, extremely creative. You can raise your hand for that. If you've enjoyed the videos. Sign you up for street team, which is 
basically giving uh, uh, rapid uh, uh, snow cones to, to kids all over the city uh, the week before the event. It's just so much fun, and we need your help certainly as we go out and we create this opportunity for our conversation. Okay? All right. Well, let's uh, open our Bible to First John chapter three. Uh, we were First John chapter four last week. So this summer, our theme we put a pause on uh, the book of Luke, and we are focusing on summer fun. So what is summer fun? Summer fun. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Uh, we'll get you one. Keep that hand up. We'll get you one. So summer fun is about life, family. And relationships. Now, relationships are your people, my people, your people. If we talked about last week, we practiced that. When I say your people or I say my people, I mean your friend, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your neighbor, your enemy, your stranger, everybody around you, everybody in this world is your people. And so when I say that, you know what I'm referring to. And so this whole series is about relationships with those people. It's about ultimately a vertical relationship that God the Father, through His Son Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, is doing in us, through us, and ultimately to the people. So it's my God, myself, my people. It's for God's glory, it's for my joy, and it's for their behalf. That's the whole idea of this series. And so we're going to hit a lot of different points. Last week, we hit the fact of love, the importance of love, and how that's the bridge to every relationship. Our phrase we used was that relationship is the currency for change. Relationship is the currency for change. So any relationship you have, including uh, relationships through events like this, it's not going to happen unless there's a relationship that's established. The Holy Spirit can do all things. God can do all things. But what He wants to do, what He desires to do, is to use relationship through love. And through so many other angles we're going to hit today, we will change people's lives. And that's an exciting thing that we get to be a part of. So hopefully we're on board with that. Today's focus is this. Is that relationship? <laughs> relationship is exposure to all the elements of death and life. Let me say that again. Relationship is exposure to all the elements of death and life. There's a reason why we don't pursue relationships with people. There's a reason why we don't pursue relationship with God. And a lot of times, underneath those basic reasons or excuses that we use, there's hurt, there's confusion, there's intimidation, there's the unknown. So there's this beautiful opportunity in any relationship to, to literally discover faith, to discover trust. And I'll illustrate that in just a moment. But lastly, because we established that through my God, myself, and my people, God wants to do, excuse me, what God wants to do to the people, He wants to do through His people. You get that? So, like, all the vision and all the desire and all the compassion that God has for the city of Jamestown for your home, for your street, for your workplace. He wants to do it through you. He wants to do it through his people. And it's through that conduit, it's through that love is what he, is when he begins to work. 
Obviously, God works in other ways. Obviously, God is not stuck in some box, even a really ridiculous blue and white box that's brought to this city. God can do all things He desires greatly. He wants to work in and through us. The reason you were given so much is so that you can now give. The reason you're loved so much is so that now you can love. The reason you've been given so much mercy is so that you would pass that on to the, those that are around you. The reason that we study truth, the reason that we even got down to the nitty gritty of what the truth of God's word says is so that we can share truth with others. You get my point here? So it's this whole flow, again, through relationship with what God wants to do to the people is through his people. Last week, as we were in 1 John chapter 4, we talked and came quite a bit on love. And as we take a step back to 1 John chapter 3, love is certainly the intro, but there's a deeper thing happening here through sacrifice. There's a deeper thing happening here through ultimately faith. And I want you to see that this morning as we see that relationship exposed us to all the elements of death. Let's read it, starting in verse 11. Actually, no, you know what I'm going to do? First uh, John chapter 3, verse 11. I want to make sure everybody has a Bible. So let's do that Bible run again. Because I want to give you, yeah, there you go. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. I want you to see this with your own eyes. And for everybody else, just let's just take a moment. And I want you with your own eyes to read this. First John chapter 3, verses 11 through the end of the chapter. 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 to the end chapter. Just take a couple minutes and you read that on your own to your side, okay? This is the message that you have heard. <coughs> we should love one another. We should not be like Cain. We should not be like Cain. Who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Don't kill your brother. Metaphorically, it's And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. His own deeds were evil. But his brother, Abel, his deeds were righteous. One was evil, one was righteous. That's our focus. Verse 13, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does, whoever does not love 
abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding inside of him. Verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. That who laid down his life for us? Jesus laid down, literally, didn't just die, but laid down for us. There was a purpose for it. We were just saved from something. We were saved to something. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little, cho little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. You hear that? God is greater than our heart. God is greater than our heart. No matter what we feel, no matter the emotion that's even in your mind or in your heart right now, God is greater than that. He's able to prove through that, show through that, and even through his truth, reveal the reality of that, not how you just feel. Feeling is important. Heart is important. But right here it's declaring that God is greater than our heart. He knows everything. Verse 21, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is the commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son of Jesus, of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as He commanded us. Whoever keeps His commandments abides in God, and God in Him. But by this we know that He abides in us. By Spirit, whom He gave us. Let's pray. God, I just I know that Your message this morning for these people is through Your Word that we're not to be like Cain. That it's faith. That it's trust that makes us declared righteous. It's a gift of your grace to us. We're set free, not of our own works or how great of a job we can do, but it's a gift of God through that faith and trust in you, Jesus. And so I just ask this morning that as we expose ourselves in relationship to you, that all the elements of life will be revealed and all the elements of death be revealed that you took that price, that you swallowed death, that you took our spanking, so that we could be alive. So when we get exposed, even in this moment, to what life really is, not just eternal life, but abundant life now. I ask this in your name. Work in the hearts of your people today. God, I just have this feeling that there are people here today that have put up walls all around you in relationship with others and maybe even you because of certain experiences. Well, I got hurt this way, and so therefore this wall will be built and no one will ever come into that again. I will not go there with this person because they hurt me. God, would you today give us the guts to lay it down and tear down the walls and that we would be exposed to life through you 
not expect anything in relationship in return. Because everything that we need is from you. Make that so clear this morning, I ask. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God, you reach into this life in our short time that we have to So, I have a uh, friend. I have, I have a friend, but he, uh, he's always been my friend since I was little. Um, his name is Eric. And uh, Eric's a funny guy. Uh, I remember it was around the age of, I don't know, upper elementary, maybe early middle school. And I'll never forget, it was a summer day, and we're, <laughs> we're sitting there, we're playing, we're joking around in front of my, my friend's house, and a bunch of us around, and we, we got something to eat or something. We're sitting on the, the front steps of the house, and Eric begins to tell us the story about, um, again, this was a big deal at that age, about his uh, first, or how he tried to kiss this girl. Um, so, <laughs> I wish I wish I had a video showing about it, but just have to go with me to Southern Illinois and this kid, Eric, and he's explaining with his full heart of the tragedy that happened. <laughs> so, Eric says, yeah, man, I thought, I thought, like, she liked me, and, like, it's new for me, like, I'm like, dude, I want to kiss her, like, that's what I remember. He's like, I wanted to kiss her. I thought it was the right time. He's like, so I leaned in to kiss her. And I literally kissed, like, under her chin. Because <laughs> she moved so fast. And he literally, as he went in, he closed his eyes, of course. Because that's how they do it in the movies, right? <laughs> in slow motion. And as he leaned in for the kiss, she moved, and it was this embarrassing, awkward moment. And so from then on, there was this fear that came, that instilled in us, that our first kiss would be the same, right? <laughs> and, and I don't know what your experience was with, with that thing, or maybe a complete other scenario, but that same gut feeling of like, oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Maybe for you it was that that resume that you sent, this job you really wanted. You literally you leaned in like, here you go, and you spelled your first name wrong. And then they're asking you how that works and why, and then you try to make up some great story. I, I've never, I know anybody's ever done that, but um, I have a friend that did that too, right? Um, or whatever the scenario has been for you, where you literally you leaned in and you fell on your. That is relationship. There's this amazing thing that happens in relationship. There's no one person. Well, I guess I guess you have a relationship, but in regards to relationship, there's a leaning in for the kiss. There's a leaning in for the love. There's a leaning in for the brother to brother handshake. There's a leaning in to all these aspects. And when you lean in, you're completely exposed to all the elements of death and life. In that moment for Eric, he could be completely leaning in for the greatest moment of the beginning of the greatest love of his life, but completely falling on his face and completely feeling like death because he is completely now exposed. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We've all been there, right? Have you been in a spot, not necessarily that, but a job or family or spouse or even your own son or your own daughter or your own situation or 
is that you have been exposed at the table of relationship. You've been exposed to death and life. Raise your hand if you're with me. And we're all here. And I think we probably had some time. I think we could probably pass the mic around. Shed a few tears. Um, we might be here kind of a while scenario to talk about what relationship with others have done, maybe even specifically the church. Relationship with the church. Or a pastor. Or a youth pastor has done to your life. Because we all know maybe you're sitting next to people that relationship has exposed you to all the elements of life. And I hope those relationships are reality to you, whether it's through a boss, a spouse, a friend, a neighbor. The bit exposes all the elements of what is good, what is life, what is a picture of what Christ offers to us. Through love, through mercy, through grace, through second chance, through third chance. Hopefully you have some relationships that are about exposing you to life. And I know the reality is that even in this room, there are people, including myself, that have been exposed to all the elements of death. And some people rise from that. Some people sort of rise from that. And some people don't rise from that at all. And I'm here to declare this morning, through 1 John chapter 3, through several men and women of days gone before us, recorded in Scripture, that God wants to redeem that. You just want to rewind time and make that not happen. He wants to redeem that. He wants to take what happened. He wants to bring it to the reality of your mind, even to, the, to this moment today, even in your heart. God is bigger. God is stronger than your heart. He is stronger than that experience that you had. He is stronger than anything that you were experiencing that you've been exposed to death. He wants to revive it. How? Maybe that person that did that is dead. How is he going to do it? Maybe that person is long gone. Let's see, just take for a moment, some of you may have nothing to do with that person. And it has everything to do with God and you. Because like I said at the beginning, God wants to do this so that we can do this. This so that this happens. He wants you to be a conduit. He wants you to receive so that you can give. And so know that first off, yes, we're talking about um, horizontal relationship. Present horizontal relationship. Maybe there's some things that need to take care of. But honestly, start here. Because what God wants to do to you, He wants to do through you to others. I said last week that the, the scripture is full, God's word is full of relationship. And actually, the center of Jesus' teaching is about relationships, it's about how to treat others. It's so how to deal with when you're wrong, how to deal with when you're loved, and how to share that love, and how to perspective and how something that can happen. And all throughout Scripture, from the beginning all the way through, it was all about relationship. They were exposed to the elements of life and death. Listen for a moment. 
Adam and Eve, they were completely exposed to the elements of life and death. I can't think of a better example. Literally, what was Adam and Eve's first response when they sinned? When they were told not to, if they did, they would surely die. That death really just meant separation from holy God. Perfect union, perfect amazingness that's happening in the garden. What was, when they were completely exposed and they were completely naked, what was their first reaction? Right? That was their first reaction. Why? Because they were exposed. They were completely open to judgment. They were completely open to all the insecurities that you and I feel every day. This is the picture of what God wants to redeem in your life. This is the picture of what ultimately he's bringing us to for eternity, is that we would be secure in how he made it, not how we're insecure in how we're trying to make it. Does that make sense? And then carries through Cain and Abel. The fact that Cain killed his brother Abel. They both brought a sacrifice to God. And not necessarily the measure of their sacrifice, but how they presented it to God. God accepted one, and God did not accept, did not approve of the other. And because they disapproved, or because God disapproved, and therefore his offering wasn't good enough, Cain took it to the point where he literally found his brother in the field and killed him. The first murder, scripture, right there, over that and there's all these implications that come from that, that carried on to so many things. But even in that moment, knowing that Cain and Abel were exposed to all the elements of death and life, and that Abraham and Isaac, when he laid his son on the altar, there was this opportunity for, for literally, he had to give up his son in sacrifice. But in faith, he was exposed to true life through the opportunity of pardoned death. That was Abraham. That was Isaac, completely exposed to the elements of death and life. Job lost it all, lost everything. He was exposed to despair. He was exposed to abandonment. He was exposed to everybody around him, even his own wife, that says, curse God and die. And in that exposure, life happened. And in that exposure, God restored. And in that moment, in Job's life, God redeemed. It happened in Esther's life. And she was, through her exposure, and through her life and leadership, a nation was saved. These all were elements of things that were not easy for these people. They were given their entire life to show, as a, not trying to earn something with God. They had already earned it through their faith. And now their opportunity of trust and faith in what God wanted to do through them as conduits. Literally, conduits through the back then. Yeah, we didn't make that up. It was back then. And even in that moment, God worked in their life and literally a nation was saved through her. Powerful woman, as she was. Samson, completely exposed in relationship and through a pretty woman, literally, he made some decisions that exposed his life which ultimately left him to death. Exposure brought all of these elements to pass. Joshua, he needed to expose the people. This had nothing specifically to do with Joshua in his own personal 
life. It had more to do with what God was doing through him to a group of people. Joshua knew he needed to get God's people, the nation of Israel, to the promised land. And so he was, his whole life was completely exposed on trying to get people from A to B. Imagine that. Imagine the struggle on that. Imagine the exposure of, are you serious, Joshua? I mean, have you ever had a group of people looking at you? Like, right now. Like, they're looking to you for direction, or they're looking to you for hope, or what's the next step, or which way should we go? And you completely have no idea yourself. Joshua was that. The only thing he had to lean on was trust. The only thing he had to lean in on was faith. You see, in every relationship, there is risk. And Jonah was no different. Jonah was the guy that literally was asked to go to Nineveh. And the reason he didn't go, put it in modern terms, he was racist. The people were a different color. They were a different socioeconomic status. They didn't deserve God's love. They didn't deserve God's favor. They didn't deserve my message that God has to me. So he decided to end up being exposed to the inside of the belly of the whale, the belly of the fish, for a few days. And he was exposed through that experience, the life and death. But ultimately, God worked through it. God redeemed even his mistake, even his disobedience. He redeemed it to the point where literally the greatest transformation in the lives of people in the largest group of people through Nineveh, through one man, through God's power. He exposed himself even in his junk. Imagine that story. Jonah arrives in Nineveh. First of all, I want you people to understand that God loves you. Um, second of all, I've been in a fish for the last three days. Like, imagine how that conversation went. And as an evangelist, if you stood there and told people about the opportunity to receive the love of God, the hope of God, the plan of God, he was exposed to his own mistake. Have you ever been exposed? Parents can probably identify with this quite a bit. You've ever been exposed to your own mistake, but yet somehow it helped your kid, or helped your friend, or helped somebody? And it's almost like this point where you're like, man, do I share that? It's embarrassing. But yet, it's true. Yet it's wrong. Yet it helps. Yet it leads others. That's God through your story. That's God through your brokenness. So many of you today, maybe even sitting here, You've disqualified yourself. Even the fact that you're here is like, man, I'm being disqualified. You gotta understand that it's through your brokenness and through your story of what God's doing and what you're doing. It's not in yourself. Grace is a gift that you've been given so you can tell everyone else how awesome God is, not how awesome you are. Your testimony should not be, I used to be really bad, but I'm really good. Like your testimony should be, God is good. Because I am by nature. Bad. Designed to be good. Designed to have unity. Designed to be holy with God in communion. But my, my mistake, my decision, separated from that. And in that, God's redeeming that. So it's about Him, what He's doing, and not about you or what you Does this make any sense? Is this connected? I can say so many more. Peter, he was exposed over his own demise, betraying his Jesus. But yet God built the church 
on his faith, on the rock of Peter. Not necessarily in Peter and personality, there's obvious discussion about that, but based on the fact of what, how the church was built on the rock that cannot be moved. On faith, on what Peter did, and it's not about the wrong that he did, it's about what he did with his wrong. He redeemed Jesus face to face, redeemed Peter and what he did. And he's like, basically, stop talking about your sin. Stop talking about what you did wrong and get up and feed my sheep, Peter. He redeemed that and exposed Peter not to all the crap that he did. He exposed Peter to the reality of what can happen in the future. It's no different for you. You keep going to God and keep coming to the altar and keep confessing the same sin. You keep saying, okay, God, I'm sorry again. Like, you feel so like guilt-ridden and wore down and weighed down by what you've done. And God's forgot that. God's separated that as far as the east is to the west. Why? Not so that you can feel better. Not so that you can just be a, 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 a pawn of receiving. He's like, get up. Go. Tell others. That's the design of the gospel. And that's how we get to come in and be exposed to relationship. Imagine Mary. And that day, betrothed Joseph. Imagine the ridicule. Like, we all know the end of the story. And he was born. And Sam came and all that stuff, right? You know, that's <laughs> we all know that, right? Um, beauty through what Mary did. But imagine those weeks, those months, and maybe for some, looking at Mary. Complete ridicule for the rest of her life. Because something she didn't even do. Yeah. The bigger issue was, what was God doing? So, so many of you even right now, in my life, I identify as well. We're so worried about, oh, what's everybody going to say? What's everybody going to think? You're completely missing the point of what God is already doing. So whatever it is, just before we go any further, God has God will redeem that. Amen. And actually, back up a step. God already did redeem that. And He wants to. I mean, the whole idea of Him rising from the dead was that He wouldn't stay in the mire, in the guilt, in the mistakes, that you would read half of the scripture and be like, man, I don't really miss the Pope. But in, like we said last week, in the 613 laws that were narrowed down to the Ten Commandments, which the 613 laws were basically commentary of the Ten Commandments. The whole point of that was to tell us that we could not do it. The whole point of that was to tell us that we missed the boat. Well, then what's plan B? Plan B was actually plan A. When the beginning of Scripture, when we completely messed it up, we still our God, Jesus, who was coming to save us. That was plan A. Then we tried to make up other stuff. I'm saying all that to say is that I don't care who you are, what you've done, where you're at, how old you are, how long you are. If you're here today, you should not leave unless you're completely full of faith and trust in what Christ did in your life. Because he can completely forgive you. Now, He's paid the price for your sin. 
He's done all he has to bridge the gap of relationship through love and mercy, through ultimate grace, what he wants to do through you in your life. Do you get this? Like, we can't be discouraged. We can't be in this moment of, oh, I'm not doing much, or I'm, I'm not performing to the, to the level that I'm supposed to be. I'm missing the boat completely. You're not. Stop. God wants to work through you. God wants you to receive so that you can give. And today, I want you to literally, don't leave. Come pray to us and talk to us. Even in your seat, just receive the fact that Jesus died for your sins. And by your faith, by your confession, by this literal idea of following Christ, you are set free. You are set free. The price has been paid. The ticket is right here. Receive it. And give it here. So, when Eric leaned in for the kiss, when you and I lean in for love, relationship, any regard of relationship, there's this relationship, right? And there's this moment, too. And let's be honest, for the analogy's sake, as Eric is leaning in, there's this moment of, like, I got this. Like, I'm going to lean in. I'm good. Like, I don't know. I'm going to lean in. I'm not, like, yeah, I don't know what's happening. But then there's this point of no return, where you literally, I'm going. I, I can't, I can't turn back. You literally, you're gone. And there's this beauty, and that you need to know that even be saying that, there's hurt. You're like seriously, Pastor, move on. This is redundant. But I want you to get this: is that Christ already leaned in to you? He's already leaning, even in this moment. He's leaning in where you're at. And he can't wait. He can't wait for you to, maybe for the first time, or maybe for wherever you're at in your life, it's been a long time, but in that moment for you to literally lean in and receive. Your leaning in is not, all right, we've got to jump through all these hoops. Your leaning in is not, all right, we've got to start keeping these things and giving these things, or we've got to be here every Sunday until you die, or we can't make it. But the whole idea is that when you lean in, you completely understand that he's done all the work, he's paid all the prices, He's done everything he can to bridge that relationship that he wants with you. And in that, you get to share that with others. You get to give that to other people and not expect anything in return. How many of you have relationships right now that are completely frustrated because there's nothing in return? Come on. <laughs> The rest of you are raising your hand in your heart, right? <laughs> we all do that. I mean, whether we admit it or not, or whether we're focused on it or not, that's obviously not my point here, is to bring it up. But in that, we know that we're not always receiving back. And so there's this lean of, there's this lean of faith where we're scared. So I've talked about God in this relationship and how he's already ready, he's already leaning, he's, he's, he's done more than leaning. He's left the riches and the glory of heaven to be here physically for 33 years. He gave his life to a brutal murder so that you and I could be free. And then he rose from the dead and said, Guess what? I can do this in your life too. And then he left. But before he left, Jesus said, It's better that I send the Holy Spirit. And he did. And that's the best part. 
is even Jesus. And I love what we talked about last week. The table that God is inviting you to, it's this amazing relationship of God the Father and the Son and God the Holy Spirit that they have in ultimate unity. And it's only us as humans that are like, well, who's better? Who's got the top hand? Who's got more power? If, if you read scripture, you realize that all they're doing in communication is trying to uplift one another. All they're doing is saying, no, no, you go first. No, no, you are the one who's going to bring the power. No, 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 you're the one that's going to have the ultimate glory. No, 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 whoever honors my son gets this. Whoever honors my father, like there's this amazing relationship that he's inviting you to the table for. But some of us are completely fearful because we know that we've been invited to the table, we've been completely exposed to the elements of death. And God's inviting us to be exposed to the elements of life. I quickly want to show you, um, if, if every week this table, if you notice, uh, it looks a little bit different than last week. Um, uh, you, ever, you ever looked at a can of paint and thought, hmm, that's going to be red. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just imagine with me this is red. Representing sacrifice of faith. But at this table of sacrifice, on this altar, this is our life. And as this table is about to be exposed to three elements of earth, wind, and fire. Clean that off. 
fact, in his eyes, it's already clean. He just wants you to realize it. You get that? In his eyes, it's already clean. Because of your faith in Jesus, it's already clean. And he wants you to know that. You see this, but he sees complete, complete clean. Some of you have been exposed to powerful, powerful wind. And we all know what wind does. Blow stuff all over the place where it's not even recognizable. Like, where did all that garbage that was in my yard go that I saw last night for a bit? And then we started, and now it's gone. And all of that, I'm going to introduce you to massive wind. Exposed to fire. Right? 
done this. I should have probably tested it. <laughs> What's that? Oh, yeah, that's right. And here's my issue. 
Well, the issue at the end of this conversation was great. The issue was, hey, bro, um, stop trying to be the Messiah. Stop trying to fix everybody. You can't fix anybody. You can't take anybody where they're not willing to go. You're called to speak truth, be truth, live grace, be grace, but you're not called to drag them in through the amazing puddle of and full of grace. That's God's job, not your job. And so what I've had to do is not like, okay, I just gotta run faster. I gotta work harder. I gotta climb higher. I gotta swing harder. I gotta do all these things better. Yeah, tons of improvement. I'm sure you can point that out. We can talk about that later. But the first thing, the first thing I needed to do was to literally release it. The first thing I needed to do was completely wave the white flag and say, I'm done trying to do it myself. I'm done trying to win this. It's yours, God. It works. It works. <laughs> Here's the best part of that. In verse 12, it says, we should not be like Cain. That's, a, that's exactly what Cain did. Forget the fact that he took a rock and he beat his brother's head for a Forget that for a moment. Before that, what Cain did when he offered a sacrifice to God, he did not go in faith. Abel went in faith. It says so in Hebrews chapter 11 that, that Abel went to God in worship, in faith, in trust, and by that he was seen as righteous. So God, who is righteous, who is holy, received that. But the guy that was trying to make his way, climb his way, Work his way. God did not receive. Friends, this is a picture of the gospel all the way back in Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve completely screwed it up, which was Cain, Abel's mom and dad, and they messed it up, he said right away, I'm going to send a redeemer, and he's going to come, and his, his foot, his heel will be bruised, but Satan's head, who brought this whole thing on, will be crushed. And he gives this, like, hey, guess what? The Messiah will come back. Will come someday. And he will not just be a temporary sacrifice. He won't just be in the moment. This might work out. You'll feel better for a moment. Like, no, this was a complete, it's done. Done, done, done. Sacrifice. He's coming. You just gotta wait for him. And that's in Genesis chapter 3. And we gotta wait all the New Testament when the Messiah comes. But right there in chapter 4, he's saying, he's giving a picture of what he expects. And it doesn't stop with Cain and Abel. He's giving a picture of what he wants you and I to do. And we miss this. How do we know more about Daniel and Elias did? Which we don't even know the point of that a lot of times. Do we know about Cain and Abel and what they did? Why are we teaching this? This is we're missing the boat. Cain and Abel, they offered the same thing. They came to church, so to speak. They offered, they lifted their hands. But one was thinking about all that he could do for God. And the other person was saying, you know what? I can do nothing for God. It's all about you, God. But because of you, I'm set free to do all things because of my faith and my ultimate leaning in to God. That gave him righteousness. That gave him holiness. Do you see that? And even though his head was completely crushed, it says that his blood constantly cried out to a holy and righteous God and forevermore Abel is in heaven with Jesus. With God Yeah. God, the triune God, and all you and I that are claimed 
the blood of Christ, which ultimately the blood of Cain was a picture of the blood of Christ, laid on the altar of sacrifice that had been exposed to all the elements of life and death. So when it says, don't be like Cain, that's what it's talking about. Lay down, surrender. I don't mean surrender. That doesn't mean surrender and stop doing stuff. What he's saying is before you start trying to do stuff and make this world, your family, your people, your relationships better, before you start doing that, because then you get suited up with his strength and his love and his mercy and his plan and not your own. Marriage tough right now? Surrender. And then maybe I'm seeing all of some basic I've surrendered in that place. I've suited up with God. Let me just give you hope that the thing you re receive in return is not the goal of being grateful. This isn't like some strategy in order to receive at the end of the day. Okay, this is be very close. You can hear nothing I say through this. Because Jesus died. Once again, and he wants a relationship with you that frees you up. We learned last week that everything you need, you will receive from God. Primarily, and everything else is a cherry on top. What this does is it releases, first of all, it releases you from holding all these expectations. It releases you from the attitude that you give when you don't get that thing that you wanted in return that you've so freely given them. It releases them to see the picture of the gospel. Because all of a sudden, if they know you're, you're saying that Christ is living for you, they get your expect, you're approved. They're missing it. Don't be like Cain. Get the picture that when you give in relationship to others, your people in your life, it's a picture of what Christ has done to you. Amen. It cuts the tide of what you want from them. Amen. But here's the cool thing. God's not saying, hey, shut everybody out. You don't need nothing from them. You want love, you get it from me. You want mercy, you get it from me. No. He's open. He's actually doing the opposite. He's saying, go. Connect with all these people. Have a relationship with everybody. In fact, he goes to the point where, like, if your relationship's not good horizontal, then there's something not good happening vertically. He's, but what he's doing is saying, don't hold them to that, like, receiving moment. Be in a relationship to see what you can give. Be in a relationship to see what you can give. That is the sacrifice. That is the altar of which all things are exposed. When you're, listen to me, when you're exposed to all the elements of death from people, it's okay. Because you're already dead to yourself. Does that make sense? So when, 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 it's this whole idea. You come to the table and you receive from God the Father, God the Son, and God's Holy Spirit through you. You have now received the affirmation that he gives. And if your boss and your spouse and your friend 
gives you affirmation, then it's like a, all right, thanks, man. I appreciate you agreeing with my God because I already came to the table and I was already affirmed by him based on what I look like, on how he made me, how he wired me, and the job that I'm doing. I already received that affirmation. He actually says I don't need to do anything because there's nothing he can do that can love me anymore. There's nothing I do or not do that can love me any less. So when you receive that affirmation from God, we can get every other word. What are the things you're wanting to receive from people? I give so much to them, but I don't get anything in turn. I, I call them five times, I don't get nothing. Cut it loose. Keep calling. Keep reaching. Keep loving. That's what he wants. But he doesn't want that attitude or that frustration or that strings tied to that thing that you were giving them. Because you're full of God and not yourself. Dying to yourself. So these people can't affect you. They can't hurt you. Let's be real, they do hurt. And it does hurt. And of course, we love affirmation. We love those cherries from the top. Thanks. Pat on the back. Good job, buddy. All that. I'm not saying don't do that. All I'm saying is that is a far secondary that happens in the relationship that God wants to already fill the first part. And if God is doing that for you, then praise God. If you think God's not doing that for you, I want to praise you. That's what I want you to see. That God's already there. I want you to see that He's already leaned in. He's ready. He's waiting. And anything you need from Him forgiveness, mercy, grace, opportunity, hope He's got it all. Through His Word and by the power of His Holy Spirit, Jesus paid and did His job on the earth. And God the Father openly overseeing His sovereignty here to have you here so that you can hear that today. Please don't leave. Today without knowing him. He is our hope. He is our truth. And unless it dies, unless we surrender, we can't receive. Jesus says it like this Whoever loses his life will find it. Whoever gives up his life, Find it. And him. It's he wants to expose you to life. So I'm going to close and ask these guys to come up. So usually at this time, uh, we have an opportunity for you to come forward and pray. Um, if you'd like to pray with anybody or um, myself, please go and invite me to do that. If you need a friend to pray with, awesome too. The whole point of today is that you connect with God so that you can connect with others. That you see that, yes, exposure to all the elements of death and life can be hurtful. All the elements of all the things that you've experienced can be hurtful. But God wants true life, true hope. So would you stand?